Blog Talk Radio. episode of the mystical matchmaker i am your host matchmaker marla martinson don't you just love my intro song shine i'll be yours and you'll be mine shine 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 i get a lot of uh excuse my uh singing <laughs> i get a lot of uh questions about that song where people can purchase it and where did i get it it's actually my brilliant husband's uh creation uh, with his friend Michelle Cole. You can hear my husband in the background singing, and that's his music, and then Michelle singing, and uh, it's an original, and I just love it. It's just so, so uh, kind of uh, encompasses my outlook on life. We have to shine. We have to enjoy every moment, and we all want to be loved, and we want to give love, and that's really what life is all about, Uh, and I know there's so many singles out there searching and a lot of people confuse loving and needing, needing someone. You know, sometimes when life seems scary, there's a lot of things going on in the world that that it seems like, gosh, what's going on? Are we all going to get blown up or, or you know, what's going to happen? Things, things get scary and we feel like we need someone. I remember when I was working at Great Expectations back in 2001, uh, after it's a video dating service, and after 9/11, there was a big influx of singles joining the service because they were scared and people wanted someone to go through life with, someone to be with, and they were searching for their mate and partner. So my special guest today, you already know her if you've been listening to the show. Her name is Susan Allen. She's an amazing coach, and we're going to be talking about the difference between loving and needing. And uh, so, so just to, to tell you a little bit again about Susan, she created Heart Space Solutions that you, I, and everyone can learn how to create the most loving and intimate relationships possible. She has these unique tools and skills that allows us to create the deepest level of passion, romance, and understanding, peace, and cooperation, because we've got to cooperate in relationships, and we really want peace. A lot of us fight, we bicker, we blame the other person which was one of my issues for many, many years, probably childhood issues where I would get on the defensive, I would bicker, I would defend myself. And uh, I coached with Susan uh, many, many um, sessions. And I'm finally, along with her amazing um, tools and some other uh, things in my toolbox and other healings I've done, I'm very grounded now. There's peace in my home so, you know, it's not always something that just happens magically. You've got to work at it. You have to learn some skills. And Susan offers a complimentary one-hour private phone session. That's how I met her. I had a, a complimentary phone session. And uh, there's no, you know, no. Uh, you, if you want to continue with her, you can, but there's no catch to it. She, she offers these because she wants to help everybody. So in the show notes, um, you can find out how to contact her, and um, she's going to tell us, too. But 
let's just bring her on right now so we can um, talk about this fascinating subject. Hello, Susan. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Marla. Yes. Well, let's talk about this because uh, some people, you know, might think they need someone and they confuse loving and needing and they don't know the difference. So as a result, when they begin to have loving feelings for someone, they may be sidetracked by a confusion about how to love and how to get their needs met. So I know you're going to explain how to navigate the tricky aspects of loving and needing. Yeah. So can you explain to us what's the most important difference between being in love and being in need? It's based on your own level of loving. Your capacity to love is intrinsically linked to your capacity to be peaceful and joyous alone. Since Mm -hmm. loving is sharing, you have to be able to be in the natural flow of giving and taking love and other aspects of intimacy, sex, passion, friendship, all of that. And the only way that any of us is capable is if we're capable of self-soothing. Of all the tools and skills that I offer, the number one, number two, and number three are skills that I teach clients in which they can go from feeling frightened or angry or sad to peaceful and powerful. Yeah. Because if you've ever tried to chase love, and who among us has not, Mm -hmm. then you know... It doesn't work. You have to be able to stand in your pain. You have to be able to be a grown-up. You have to be able to be very, very peaceful. And magnetic, magnetism (laughs) comes from being able to self-soothe and be peaceful. So what's an example of self-soothing? If, just as I spoke to a client this morning, she was feeling very confused She needed clarity about a career situation. She was feeling worried. She needed uh, to understand the financial components of this. Or a client I spoke to yesterday, last night, in fact, who was feeling really sad about the end of a relationship because her need to be understood hadn't been met. We have the ability to bring ourselves to peace even though others in our life may not be there for us in that moment. And learning how to feel sad because my need for understanding isn't met and taking a deep yogic breath and feeling worried because my need for appreciation for who I truly am isn't met and taking a deep yogic breath and moving through all this. That is the ability that separates those of us who can have real love in our life from those of us who cannot because skills are the difference. It's not that one is more beautiful and smarter and has more money and has more health. It isn't that. It's the Mm -hmm. ability to be present in the moment, stand in your pain, transform your fear, anger, and sadness, and regain your magnetism. Oh, I love that. I love that. Regain your magnetism. 
So you also teach that people have needs and that we must meet most of those needs for ourselves or we'll become resentful and dependent. So isn't this confusing when we fall in love? Because we expect our partner to meet most of our needs, don't we? I think that's what where maybe we've got it uh, mixed up here. <laughs> very mixed up, very mixed up. The only thing and only partially that you can depend on your partner to provide is sex in a monogamous relationship. But mm. even then, I find women particularly who say, well, he should understand how to get me off. No, your responsibility mm. is communicating in such a way that sex is fantastic for both of you. Mm-hmm. And even in a monogamous relationship, you cannot depend on someone through the rest of your life to always be there for you in exactly the right way and in exactly the right time. And that's where give and take has to be included. You know, you can't have a partner who walks off the playing field and says, I'm not having sex with you anymore, but I'm still married to you. That means right. that you need a lot more skills to motivate and inspire, or it means that there never was love, or there means that there was love and there isn't love now, there's resentment. But in all the other areas, from taking care of your home, taking care of your body, taking care of your children, all of these things are give and take, and you can never force anyone to do what he or she doesn't want to do, right? Right. And and we and you know that old saying like, oh, uh, the, the women, they expect me to read their minds or that mind reading thing like, oh, well, you should know what I want or you should yeah, have known course. or, yeah, yeah. I, I don't course, hear that too much crazy. anymore, but that, yes, I used to hear that all the time, like, you should know yeah, what I'm yeah. feeling. <laughs> That's right. And we're it's usually, crazy. We're usually not dating psychics, so we've got to communicate. <laughs> And even psychics are only on target a percentage of the time. That's right. That's, That's the right. problem there. <laughs> okay, so um, what is your definition of love? Love is when your needs getting met are as important to me as my own needs getting met. Mm. Isn't that yummy? That's yummy. That reminds me of how my little dog Macy and I were, were we both That's give right. each other the needs That's that right. get met. I mean, I give her my anything, exactly you know? my my yeah. my standard poodle who I adored. I laughingly say the perfect life partner, except he was born as a dog, so that was unfortunate. But yeah, he was perfectly committed. That's right. Perfectly committed to giving love and receiving love. And that, of course, is not something that we expected to be such a complication when we decided we would come back to life and take a body, right, Marla? Relationship as an example to bring into the human relationship, that could be really help. Like, think, would you talk to your dog the way you talk to your partner, or would you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So when when you meet people who need their partner, what can you observe that is the underlying problem that they both have? It's fear. Now, here's the key. I've dated a lot of men. I've been married twice. I've had 16 marriage proposals. 
I am dating again, so I'm sure I will have at least one more marriage proposal. <laughs> what is the overarching challenge of 99% of the men that I have ever met, not just dated? They are scared. Mm. They are frightened. I don't care if they're billionaires who you know I've dated. I don't care right. if they're multimillionaires who you know I've dated. I don't care if they look like Greek gods, which you know I've dated. I don't mm -hmm. care if they are Mensa guys, which you know I've dated. Men have external genitals. They are afraid. They are mm. vulnerable. They need to protect themselves. And the tragedy about this is you can never be in a loving relationship with anyone who is frightened. Right. Now, if you yourself are stuck in fear, which I certainly was, you know, I'm not now, but I certainly was, then you're going to attract someone who's frightened. The two of you are going to be frightened together. There's going to be a whole, you know what, load of blaming and shaming there's going to be drama like crazy, and you just have to wake up. If you're the woman, you have to wake up and say, what the hell am I so afraid of? Mm -hmm. This relationship is going to end because one of us is going to die. Yeah. The odds of us dying at the same moment, second, is slim to none. So I have to just get over this whole fear thing. I have to stop living in fear. It's Helpful, of course, if like me, you've had a near-death experience or like mm -hmm. me, you've had a, you know, many experiences of Jesus and other deities and angels. That helps. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to just wake up and say to yourself, I am not going to waste the rest of my life on fear. I will not do it. I'm not going to be one of those dead people living in a house together pretending that everything is alive when it's not. Mm. That reminds me of when years ago, it's been at least a decade when I was at um, Agape International Spiritual Center and I was in a uh, class that Michael Beckwith taught. It was some, it was pretty big class though. And I, I don't know, I had asked him a question and it was about my relationship or something because I was having a lot of turmoil. And he said to me, he says, you need to wake up. No, grow up. You need to grow up spiritually. And uh, at the time, I didn't know, you know, what is that? What do I do? What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, and I couldn't get into it with him because, you know, he was up on the podium and I, or up on stage and I was, and uh now, after but all, now you know. Myself. Now I know. But now, now I, you know. Yes. Now yes. you know. There's so much. Self and you know, work, but the, the the great the great spiritual teacher Adyashanti told me in a workshop a long long time ago. A relationship is either ninety five percent wonderful, or everyone should run for the hills. Mm hmm. If you're with well, the person yeah. who is the person for you and you have a desire for peace and joy and bliss and you are someone like you and me, Marla, who are lifelong learners, who have a deep and abiding commitment to personal evolution, then the only partnership that is a fit is a partner who is like that, 
Otherwise, right. you are signing up for suffering. And why would anyone who is emotionally mature sign up for suffering? None of us would. You may sign up for a short period of time to have an experience that's thrilling. I've been there. You've been there. But you're not going to sign up for the long term with someone who is unable to live life at the vibrational state where you are, slash, happy, peaceful. Very important for everyone who's listening to know that. And and I've heard you before say, and, and I so get this now, that when we are in a relationship like that or stay in one, we're confused. That's right. Uh, and it's just yeah, confusion. Lot, confusion. It's just mm-hmm. confusion. Now, let's be clear, though, because we're talking about needs versus yeah. loving, right? Loving and needs. Yeah. Of course, so, we get onto a lot of subjects because, you know, it's, yeah, for needs. Exactly. exactly. So yeah. if you are in this relationship that's 95% wonderful mm-hmm. and you accept that this is another human being living in another body, so you're not the same person. Right. You're two separate people. You have to be able to accept what isn't as delicious as the stuff that is delicious. And that's on a one-on-one basis. It it may work for you. It may not work for the next woman. Or it may not work Mm -hmm. for the last woman who was with them, right? So only you know if these shoes are pinching you and they hurt or if it really feels great. You know, I use the shoe example because who hasn't tried on shoes that look beautiful and feel miserable? Right. (laughs) So that's a lot of relationships. You know, oh, I love this about him and I love that about him. And, you know, my friends think he's fabulous and the sex is great, but God, he's got a terrible temper and I can't Mm -hmm. do that. Or he just can't make a living and I don't want to support another guy. Or... He's really lousy in bed, and he just isn't willing to learn. Or Mm -hmm. he just isn't willing to learn, period. You know, I have, for my example, I have like a million tools and skills that I can teach someone, but I don't want to be their life coach. They need to Mm -hmm. have been interested Mm -hmm. enough in learning how to have a peaceful, joyous relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. so that they're learning this stuff themselves. So, you know, what is the difference between needing someone or being in a state of romantic love their presence must be an additional joy or blessing in your life. There, just being alive, knowing them on the planet Earth, whether you see them every day or you see them once a month or you see them every two weeks, whatever amount of time, it is that deep and abiding love and friendship, which I feel for you, Marlon, you feel for me as friends, that has to be a component It has to be there that we accept and appreciate the other person and their presence is an additional joy and blessing in our life. And letting them, like you mentioned, we're in in different bodies because a lot of times in relationships we'll try to control that other person or try to maybe not even control but feel like we know what's best for them. And that was one thing that I kept telling my husband because he has that kind of Virgo, you know, critical control freak stuff where he'd be telling me, do this, do that. You shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing that. And I would say repeatedly, I'm a separate person than you. I'm a separate person. You know, leave me alone. And I would yell it and I would get mad. Now, something with your work and everything, this isn't happening anymore. Things have really calmed down and he's just 
I don't know, it was like magic, and I couldn't get in front of it, I couldn't get around it for <laughs> it so is. long, and all of a sudden, it is. It's, it's working. So, so you guys, if you have any issues, relationships, dating, work, anything, call Susan. Susan, what's your phone number? People can just call you or text you. Thank you, honey. 818-314-1200, 818-314-1200. I'd love to speak to you. Whatever you're dealing with, I can show you the way out and the way through and the way to transform it. And also, single ladies, Susan and I went in the studio last year, and we made the most fun and amazing uh, free one-hour a video for you, and um, it's called How to Marry a Billionaire. But, of course, you don't have to marry a billionaire. You can just find a great guy, whatever. But we have the most amazing tips and, and advice. And so you can go to my website, MarlaMartinson.com, and it's under Work With Me, and then it's free training. And then in the show notes, there's a link to it. And then um, you get with it as a gift a free phone call with Susan as well. So um, go and check that out. Yes. So, okay, moving on here, how can you describe the state of being, that state of being that's romantic love? It feels delicious, both of you. It feels delicious most of the time for both of you. And there's enough touching and physical presence for both of you, and the touching and physical presence is sufficiently delicious for both of you. So it's real and it's magical, both at the Mm. same time. It can't be one or the other. All right. Sounds good to me. So what is um, – okay. I, I yeah, got to go. So what's the slippery slope to romantic addiction? Because we know a lot of people lose years and even decades on this one. I have lost yep. many years on it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So when you notice, and you have to be grown up about this, When you notice that the relationship you have, in other words, what's possible with this other person, is not meeting enough of your needs and is actually in conflict with who you are. So that could look a lot of different ways. So you can be with someone. A lot of your needs can be met on a daily basis. You can be spending all your time together. But this person just doesn't meet your needs for could be any of these or all of these maybe this person isn't ambitious and doesn't have a career it's very important to most women particularly Mm -hmm. if your childbearing years are there you need someone Mm -hmm. who can take care of you when you're pregnant and the baby's young babies are babies plural maybe this person isn't monogamous and that's excruciating if you're monogamous maybe this person isn't someone who's looking for a life partner and you're looking to get married and have children and you understand that in order to do that in the best possible way, you need a committed monogamous life partner. Maybe this person doesn't have a disposition that's peaceful and loving and kind. As you get older, let me tell you, kindness goes way up to the top right under mental health, physical health, and monogamy. Kindness is number four. So as you see this person, 
who isn't meeting these needs, if you do what I have done in the past, which I try to get more engaged, when you see someone is not meeting your needs, the proper approach is to do less. The truth is we all do more. Those of us who are romantic, passionate women or men, when we notice that someone is backing away or someone is unable to meet more of our needs, our natural inclination is to do more. I am telling you, don't do it. You'll regret it. Do less. Or catch yourself as soon as you possibly can and put on the brakes and do less. And sometimes for people Uh who, who are really romantic and passionate, you have to just make a left turn and find somebody else. Because if you're not able to stop being this romantic and passionate person with Bob, and Bob is backing away and doing less and backing away and doing less and not showing up or showing up, as you said in our last show, ghosting and breadcrumbing, then the smartest thing to do is to start looking for Tom, Dick, and Harry. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, instead of instead of uh, chasing after them and trying to you know be more sexy, be do more, call them. That's right. Can, you know, yeah. Instead That's of doing right. That you now I noticed this because it's kind of like that thing scarcity or if, if you can't have it or everybody wants what they can't have or what seems exclusive. So if you are standing in your power and you're just like, okay, I'm going to do my own thing, they're going to come That's after right. you. Yeah. So well, no, say, I don't want you to or, imply. Oh, wait, I don't want you to imply well, any of that because that's all nonsense. That's all total all nonsense. Right. That's okay. all game playing, and you're okay. going to be punished for any of those thoughts or any of those actions. Never play a game with somebody that you care about because you will wish you hadn't. Right, but so okay, please so not be very clear. Just, but just not that but is just a going game. and doing your but, own thing. Yeah, but that's okay. a game. Yeah, that, okay. that the way you expressed it is scary oh. and dangerous. <laughs> so be very careful. These are, you know, all right. So you like so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. you like so many people who call me have had right. a deep and abiding mistraining, misunderstanding. Right. The only way, there's a very famous Buddhist story, which we don't have time for, but the only way that you can disconnect from somebody and have that person chase after you is if you meant it, if you were done. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. energetically, you have to be done. I mean, two of the men who proposed to me in the 80s had not seen me or spoken to me in six months. Mm Mm-hmm. And the very same summer, each of them called me on the phone. One of them called me from California and proposed. I thought he was out of his mind. And I very sweetly declined the invitation, the proposal. And the other one called me, and he was in New York, which is where I lived, and he invited me to dinner, and he was making like a big fuss about it. Our favorite place, I couldn't even figure what our favorite place was. You know, and he brought the stretch limo and the whole business, and he you know, he started to propose, you know, when we were waiting at the bar for our table, he couldn't wait. And I said to him, you know, Ed, you said to me when we were dating, a desire to get married is a virus that affects men every so often. And that's what you're going through. You just have a sudden desire to get married. But, you know, you don't want to marry me. But that's very sweet and I'm very touched. So 
I wasn't chasing these people. I didn't break right. up with them because I wanted them to propose to me. It was clearly they weren't my guys, mm-hmm. and I wasn't their woman. So be very clear about that. If somebody is a romantic addiction for you, mm-hmm. and you understand that this relationship is in conflict with who you are, then the last thing you want is to get married to that person. That's the last thing you need. If you want to suffer, that is a recipe for suffering. Right. Well, we are coming to the close of the program, and as as usual, it goes by so fast, we will have to uh, pick this up again next week because there's so much more to talk about it. Susan, thank you so much. You guys, go to my website, www.marlamartinson.com, and get your free self-love guided meditation. And uh, my book, Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker, is a great summer read. It's available on Amazon. And you can connect with Susan at www.heartspacesolutions.com and get your free uh, call with Susan. And... um, You will not regret it. It's fantastic. All right, everybody, much love, and until next time, bye, everybody. Bye, Susan. Bye, sweetie. Thank you.